0: ARCHICAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com US. Slash architect. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Roger Silvera, welcome to Entre Architect Podcast. Hey, Mark, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. As president and founder of Compass Financial Pathways, Roger Silvera has aligned with New York Life to provide world class financial solutions to small business architecture firms. Roger is a trailblazer in financial literacy education and is extremely passionate about setting an example and moving the needle in the industry where people are often underrepresented and underserved in creating financial strategies. He believes in empowering his clients to have a seat at the table regarding their financial matters and engaging in a crucial conversations necessary to take control of their financial future. His ultimate goal is to empower a community of financial savvy individuals who in return will continue to educate and empower one another through our various stages of life. I love that, Roger. It's great to have you here. I think this is going to be an interesting conversation uh, I wanna talk about financial literacy and some of these loose ends that small business owners sometimes find themselves having. Um, we all know that they're out there. We're not sure how to handle them. Sometimes we don't even know what they are, right? They're just sort of flying out in the wind. Um, so I wanna talk about that. But but before we do that, I wanna learn more about you. I wanna learn about uh, where where and when you discovered your passion for what you do and maybe who inspired you to do
1: that. Well. Mark, first and foremost, thank you so much for the opportunity and the platform. I, uh, You know, as I mentioned to you previously in uh, conversations offline that, you know, my passion for architecture has been a family thing uh, for decades. Uh, my, my father was an architect. Uh, Mariko Silvera uh, was a father, was an architect and an engineer as well. Um, and so this aspect of it's a it's a fascinating type of industry um because it's creative um you know there's there are certain things that you have to do by the book but it allows for so much creativity and um you know my my ultimate passion is with sports stadiums actually and i always marvel and fathom at at, at looking at a structure and i say how did it get from the conception of the mind to actually be a physical building in the flesh. And like I give you an example of one that really inspires me is SoFi Stadium out in Los Angeles. Uh, To think of that structure and how massive that structure is and you look at it and you're like in awe of it, you know, with the waterfalls, um, you know, the texture of the the roof and stuff like that. And it's it's a translucent roof. And when you go there, it's actually an open air stadium, so you have all the cool breeze coming in. Um, it, it's amazing to see how all that was conceptualized here, from from the thought of the architects and and the designers of that. And I, and I said, you know, architecture is one of the the, the few um, industries that you know really breeds creativity, and and there's a passion for creativity, especially in today's world where. Um, you know, a lot of things are stagnant. You know, um, architecture is one of the few industries where you can get in awe of something, but it comes from the heart and it comes from the head, and and I really love that about our about the industry itself. And you know, my father, like I said, you know, uh, was designing some things out in the Middle East. Um, he had um, some some ties uh, with, um, uh, well, he, w- he was the vice president of Kerry Corporation first. Um, so, but in his consulting work, he did a lot of work in the Middle East, uh, specifically in Kuwait and stuff like that. And um, again, architectural design and specifically engineering was very near and dear to him. Um, you know, so back in the in the 60s and 70s where uh, he did a lot of work there and um, um, he had some connections with uh, Syracuse University as well. And um I don't know completely the backstory because a lot of it's a little bit fuzzy. But for what I do know, um, you know, there's some connections there with how the carrier dome was set up and all those kinds of things. Um, long story short, a- again, I come from a family of um, of, of a passion for um, for for this space. Um, you know, I, I got family that went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Um, and that's a near and dear place to to our family's heart. So, um, for me, I love to see where the industry is going, um, and just just some of the different things that are coming about. Whether it's schools, whether it's um, you know commercial buildings, or whatever the case may be, or even sports stadiums. Uh, like I said, for me, I love the, the the area and the passion for for looking what what architects provide to the, to the world. And again, it comes from the head and from the heart in terms of how they look at the world and say, you know, we're going to design a structure that's completely transform a community, you know, and give people jobs and stuff like that, and and, and, and that's what's powerful about um, the world of architecture. So,
0: so how did you get started? How did you get started doing
1: doing what you right. did? So, for me, uh, in the financial services business, I obviously want to um, be obviously an entrepreneur, and I always saw myself to be an entrepreneur. I kind of landed on this this industry just by being acquisitive. Um, financials are always been something that I've been a passion of mine as well. Um, and I got really good at it. I got really good and I got really passionate about it because it stems from a, from a background of just helping people um, and really understanding people and really looking at what I can do to be a resource for people. Um, you know, obviously, in our industry, you know, you know, there's advisors that do very, very well, and and so, from a financial side, you know, those there's there's data there's element of it, but I think more importantly, now that I've been in this industry 22 years, it's more of a mission to me, um, where I can see, I can lend resources and things that maybe others maybe not have um, access to, which can be a, you know the difference between somebody staying in business and somebody not being in business and i think i take that responsibility very seriously what what
0: are some of the roles that you um manage on a daily basis i when when i hear financial advisor that's sort of a very broad definition right a very broad title right you can you can be a financial advisor and do lots of different things so specifically for your firm and the things that you do for the your clients What are some of the the things that you do on a daily basis?
1: So first and foremost, we look at, I kind of look at the foundation of somebody's financial life. So from a personal end of it, if we're talking on a personal needs, I look at risk protection first. And it's, again, going back to, you know, a a structure, a structure foundation is the, is the, you got to have that ironclad type. When you're talking about risk protection, you're talking about insurance or other things as well? Well, insurance and insurance planning. Okay, so um, I, I'll give an example like um, ex, I call it extended care planning or long-term care planning. Um, that is a area that a lot of people don't want to talk about because the perception is nursing home. But the reality is that um, the stress and pressure comes to the family should you not have a plan in place. The income that you otherwise having and enjoying you know, let's say for now, or even for the, your retirement years, is compromised, and so I said, why? Why would you want to put yourself in that position, where um, having a thoughtful, crafted plan, perhaps funded by insurance, which obviously makes a lot of sense, if the if it's if it's done correctly and if it's the right thing to do, um, can be a great you know aspect to making sure that these exorbitant costs are not on you. Um, and that you actually have a plan in place because it's more than just how am I going to pay for it? It's who's going to receive my care, you know, where am I going to receive the care, all those kind of things. So um, the risk protection piece in general, right, when we talk about life insurance, protecting income, protecting earnings potential, uh, disability insurance, long-term care, those are – and I also put estate planning in in that element too, Mark. Um, Those are all planning processes and tools that we would use to ensure that the foundation is ironclad type. And there's a review of that every year to two years. So, you know, things and things, you know, dynamics change, income changes, family dynamics change. So we ought to make sure that we are looking at these things objectively to ensure that our plan is still on track moving forward.
0: Yeah, and those are some of those loose ends I was talking about, right? Some of those things that as architect business owners, we're not we're not always focused on. And a lot of us know that we need them, but we're so focused on the things we're doing in our business and our life, some of those things never get addressed. And so having somebody like you to sort of sort of guide us and sort of direct us in order to tie up some of those loose ends, you know, risk protection, all the different types of insurance that we should or or may not need. The and long-term planning—that's one, definitely one of those loose ends that that a lot of us don't
1: have tied up. Here's the thing I look at too: I was like, you know, most business owners I come across—not just architectural firms, but most business owners I come across in general—maybe they've had their coverages for three, four years and have never looked at them. And so, one of the things I offer as a value proposition is a complimentary review. I believe that it's important to have an objective point of view when you look at your coverages and say, hey, you know what, these are some things that we're doing well here. And obviously some things have changed, that things that we need updating and things of that nature. And I think it's important because, again, it allows our clients to feel like, okay, you know, you're part of this overall discovery. You're part of your own rescue. And we're there just to guide you and be, and be, that, um, be that guardrail essentially. Uh, and remind you of how important it is every year to two years to ensure that you have an update. Because again, you know your business can go from five million to twenty-five million over the next twenty-four, thirty-six months. Well, that completely changes the ball game, right? In terms of what you know might be needed moving forward. And so um, we're very adamant about that probably area of practice more so than any other area of practice is the risk protection because we know that everything rises and falls on that element if anything is deficient it can completely compromise your entire financial strategy
0: right when so when when somebody comes to you to for that advisement what what is the process that you typically go through with them to get started
1: so i call it a discovery session first um really and i sit back and i really i have um, I have these steno notebooks that I have, and, um, and my analytical mind, you know, will, will go. I have, I have, you know, on the left side, I'll have um, really what the client is saying, and on the right side, I'll just, you know, jot down some ideas that I can maybe bring up in future conversations. But that discovery session is all about them. All right, so I'm going to take a step back for a minute, and I want you to kind of give me your backstory and and, and what. where you you feel you are now and what are some of the things that are important to you at least in today's space that um so I can learn about really what's truly important to you and not just hearing what they say but the emotion behind it so that that whole session is really about them it's really about really understanding those key components and if they give me let's say a listing of of you know, five to 10 things that are really important to them, then we can narrow those down to say, let's, what are those, what are those really three core components? And maybe what's that one massive component that is really, really key to you. It may be keeping you up at night. It may be driving you to, you know, to do something in your business. There's maybe one underlying thing that is truly, truly important to you. We want to know what that is because, that way, then there's a direction of where we can go, um, and I think it's massively important. It's like when somebody goes to a doctor, right? Um, the doctor says, "Tell me about why you're here today," you know, and the patient will go into that whole summary, but they're just taking notes. They're just understanding what what's going on, right? There's not a there's not a prescription being given, right? You know. Obviously, when when they leave when they leave the office, they pay for the doctor's time, where the case may be, right? And I think that's important because if we look how doctors work, it's no different from how we would work. We've got to understand what's truly important without biases, without you know feeling like you know what. Well, I think you need this. Well, no, I want to understand really what's truly important to them because then it'll 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 tell us okay, well. If we kept doing what we're doing now, let's let's see what the impacts could be. And if that's something that you are satisfactory with, or if that's something that's good to you, then that's fine. If it's not good to you and if you see that there's, you know, a pain point or if you feel like, you know, what, it it's something that I never thought about. and I don't like that outcome. Then we can start to discuss solutions because it's now in here. It's you feel you feel like you know what I I feel like those are things that I need to address now because I mean, and I haven't thought about it, but I do need to address it because of what I'm sharing with you and how it's being interpreted. Uh, and I think that's so important, you know, in our work because it's not just so much about offering a solution, it's more about really understanding what our clients I call it prioritized goals and objectives, right? Let's get a listing of, and, and through our conversation, we might have five to 10 objectives. Let's get down to that three are, and then we get one.
0: What are some of those objectives that people bring to you? When you ask them what's important, what are specifically, like? What, what are some of the things that 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 your clients say, this is important to me?
1: So obviously the businesses are important. Um, growing the value of the business, um, protecting the value of the business, um, family members, um they may have philanthropic interests. Uh, concerns might be the rising impact of taxes, low in, you know, obviously with rising interest rates and inflation. You know, is my money doing the most for me right now? I'm concerned about the market and the volatility in the market. You know, what can I do to, you know, protect my money? Um I'm concerned that a lot of my money's tied in my business. I don't have any alternative sources of of income in my in my retirement years. What can I do to start diversifying that portfolio? Right. Uh, so these are a, lit- a litany of different things that we've um, worked with or addressed over the years. Um, and again, everyone's different. But um, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is is really figuring out what's those key core Let's say top three. And because that's going to be the motivation and driver behind why they want to maybe make a change, right? I say, so I'm not happy with this. I get him to give an example of uh, I've got a couple of executives I work with as well that their major concern is taxes. And they, and that was in, in one conversation, they probably said taxes probably 10 times. And it's just because it's a driving force for them. You know, um, this I have, you know, one one client that, you know, income is substantially high, you know, well over a half a million dollars a year. And yeah, but no one's taught them how, you know, to look at their life proactively. And so we brought some nuances to them that says, you know what, I didn't know that, that I had access to that, or I didn't know that I had that available to me. And so it gives them a sense of, uh, calmness and a sense of clarity and I think that's what's most gratifying to us is that if we can point out certain nuances to them that can give them that clarity now they can make better decisions and yes the byproduct of those decisions are perhaps you know maybe they implement new solutions with us which is great um, and I think that's a end result of us doing great work for them
0: Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the digital bills and receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com/architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com/architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by arcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them join host sharice lakeside aka csi kraken a senior specifications writer at rdh building science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project detailed an original podcast by artcat listen and subscribe right now at rcat.com slash podcast That's RCAT.com slash podcast. A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed. Every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entrez Architect community. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about risk protection and insurance, um, that estate planning is part of that, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of architects at the at the we call that the legacy firms. Those are the firms that are sort of at the at the more mature end of their their careers. Their 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 firms are are established. They're successful, um, and and they're at legacy right. That they're they're in the moment of succession. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen with their firm, right? Are they going to sell it? Are they going to to transition it to ownership? Um, what that's around that same time you start questioning, you know, what about the rest of my life, right? What, what happens when I move on, right? When I, when I die, what happens to uh, everything, right? The business, the business, the, your home, maybe your cars, your assets, right? What happens with those kind of things? Um, can you talk a little bit about the process of estate planning, what that means and how that works and what are some of the things that we should be aware of?
1: So obviously, estate planning is two components: it's the legal and the financial component. Um, and just obviously, a disclaimer: I cannot give tax or legal advice. So, from a standpoint, we would always say, look, you know, we want to work with a uh, a competent, proficient estate planning attorney, one that obviously is versed in the laws of your state, but also understands things like asset protection and, and bringing those elements into the fold um, and can really look at your situation objectively and, and, and offer concrete advice in that regard. In the financial center end of it, it's really things like how do you have assets titled, right? Um, you, know, uh, you know, people marry and remarry and all those kinds of things. And, you know, we've seen ex-wives on on policies from five years ago that there was never updated. Henceforth, my my point about, you know, doing these regular reviews. That's again, one of those loose ends. Right. (laughs) And I think estate planning is a lot about tying up loose ends, but it's also bringing clarity to what your wishes are. I think that's most important. And when we look at the estate planning process is it has to be integrated with other components of your financial life, your insurance, your investments, Um, you know, Again, you know, people could be charitably inclined. You know, so how does those uh, charitable uh, desires? How does that all correlate into my business? How does that all correlate into my estate planning process? Um, because ultimately, when someone passes away, somebody's going to get these assets, whether it's a business. Um, and again, if it's a business, it should be an orderly level of transition, right? and really thought, a really clear thought out plan in terms of that succession. Who was a potential name successor owner in the event that they're not here from a death perspective or from a sickness or injury, right? Um, and I've seen a lot of businesses over the years just completely fall apart because there was never any orderly succession plan in place. Um, you know, we assume that the, you know, the, the son would want to, you know, to take it over, the son has no. They don't. They don't want. They don't want to look at it. They have no desire for it. They don't have the expertise for it. And so there was never any conversation. And so um, I think having proactive conversations, and again going back to the the value of building a virtual family office, because estate planning is um, a lot of outlining wishes medically and financially. But it's also planning. So, as here's an example: you've got a, a you know a very high net worth, um, ultimately a net worth that is is indicative of being, um, uh, cognizant of estate taxes. Uh, we need to make sure that that's not going to be a problematic issue for your heirs. Obviously, having to pay an exorbitant amount of estate taxes because you weren't prepared. You know, we look at you know. You know, Joe Robbie and and people like that, you know, you know countless different examples of high, very high net worth families that never planned correctly. Um, heck, they never had it, even a, a basic living will. When uh, you look at Prince and you look at people like that, they never had any formal state planning in place. These are the, I call them basic building blocks of a financial strategy. And again, that's that foundation. you you talk a lot about loose ends and I think that's a really pointed uh, way to look at it. It's when you look at loose ends, you don't, you don't ignore loose ends for three or four years. If you, you know, you look at it and say a year to two years, let's make sure that we have any type of loose ends if they, if they presented themselves, because as we grow, we got to make sure that we understand that that could formulate loose ends, right? My income has grown three X in the last 24 months. Well, great. You know, you may have had disability income way back when, but it doesn't meet your needs now. Right. So these are things that we want to make sure. But again, going back to your plan point about estate planning, um, it's probably one of the most critical conversations that anybody could have because it's a heart centric type of conversation. It's an emotional conversation. Um, And, you know, there's certain things that we do with our clients, like, for example, uh, writing a letter. Um, We'll have the business owner write a letter to their family and saying these are the things that I've outlined in my estate plan, you know, and they'll have it in a safety deposit box. So if something happens to them, they have a real clear level of instruction, right, as to what to do with these specific assets and what order and things of that nature. And again, when a family is grieving, the last thing that they want is chaos, estate planning is about order it's about structure and you know going back to again equating into an architectural sense architecture is about structure right every key component has to be in line with everything else otherwise the, the entire thing falls apart estate planning is a major part of that
0: when i talk about these loose ends i, I and that's why i wanted to have you on the show is because so many of us, we all know that these things are out there. We all know that we should be addressing them, but a lot of us are not addressing them and not, not out of ignorance. It's often out of not knowing what the next step is, right? Not knowing how, right? I know I need to do estate planning, but I don't even know who to talk to to start with that, right? Which is exactly why I wanted you on the show because that's who you are, right? That's that's your role and others like you, right? So. And, so when you're looking for somebody to sort of help you through that process, right? The entire process, all of these loose ends, somebody like Roger is, some, is is that person that you're looking for that says, okay, let's go through all of the things that are potentially a loose end and let's figure out how to solve them. And some of them will be things that, that Roger can bring to you or the person that you're working with, or he can advise you to say, okay, you need to talk to an attorney for that piece. You need to talk to a CPA for that piece. Right, and so so um, that's the thing that, that's the missing piece is, is not necessarily what are the loose ends and how do we fix them? How do we get somebody on our team to be able to help us recognize the things that we should be addressing and how do we tie those loose ends up, right?
1: Excellent, exactly. And again, that I, we call it a virtual family office. It's, a, it's just a fancy term for developing a proactive team. Um, and and that team needs to be on the same accord. Um, and again, there's a core grouping of different advisors that you would work with. Again, it based, it's based on the, the nature of the circumstances, but your CPA or tax attorney, um, estate planning, asset protection, uh, risk protection, which is obviously the insurance component and the wealth management component, which is obviously investments. Um, and it could be things like business advisory. It could be you know things like, um, like a business growth coach, right? Um, you know, maybe it's uh, looking at the culture inside of a company, inside of a business and saying, well, we have a problem with attracting and retaining top talent. Well, that's part of your virtual family office is individuals that can assist you with that. And I think these are all because, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot with businesses is we want to help you grow your value of the business, but protect the value of the business. Well, how do you do that? Well, you hire competent and pro- proficient employees. How do you keep them happy? You keep them happy by being proactive with them in a financial sense and a non-financial sense. Now is the season for employee benefits. Employee benefit planning is a massive, massive thing for employers. Um, simply because, number one, it's a big cost. It's a massive cost. Um but yeah not only that, it it can be a, a a make and break type of deal for the employees, right? And I always ask a question to business owners I like, do your employees feel appreciated?" And I just shut up and I just I want, I want to get an honest answer for them. They may say, "Yeah." if I kind of sense some hesitancy, I was like, when's the last time you actually sat down with your employees and actually had a real conversation with them about what's truly important to them?" Right. Because I believe that in planning, it's not just again the financials. It's not just about balance sheets and income statements. It's about what's truly important to their vision. Their vision is, hey, I want to take this thing to 25 million, 50 million, you know, maybe get out of it at that point. But I want to take this to maybe that point. I want to have maybe a hundred employees. I want to service these many clients. I want to have this much impact. And so these are visions of of, of a business owner. And i so, okay, well, you know, from where you are right now to where that is, obviously there's a significant gap, right? And we can help you, obviously, from a financial sense to ensure that you're protecting what you need to protect and, 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 and make, make the most use out of your business dollars as possible. But it also comes down to, you know, the 50 employees that you have on your books, they're a major role in you getting to that point. You know, what are you offering them in particular uh, that's of value to them that they can see, you know what, I'm being cared for. I feel like I'm being part of a of a larger thing than me. Because I think it's one thing and, and especially with the great resignation, there's a lot of employees that want to go out and do their own thing. Right? They get a couple of a couple of different skill sets, um, and they feel like, you know what, I can, I can, I can really go out and do my own thing. I can bet on me and things of that nature, which is good. But a lot of good firms are losing good people. And I think, again, it's a matter of not just the benefits, the financial benefits, but also things like, look, what if we were able to offer things like financial literacy education programs to your firm at no cost? Stuff that they would want to learn about on a continuous basis that says, you know what, this is our way of giving back to you and saying we do care about you as people. We care about you and your families, and we want you to see see you grow with us for 5, 10 years or so, right? We want you to come through the ranks, you know, and perhaps, you know, becoming part of the executive roles, you know, within the firm, right? Um, There's another thing, too, especially with top talent, you know? So, for example, uh, you might have a firm that maybe has one or two owners and, let's say, 5 to 10 key partners or, you know, for that matter. And and I said, what are you doing right now to attract and retain top talent? Are you incentivizing your top people? Have you thought about doing that? Right? Because there might be competition for those individuals and what they do. And it's very difficult for you to replace those individuals from a time, from a money perspective, to train them accordingly to how you guys do things. So those people are invaluable to not only the the top line revenue of the business, but they're 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 in so important to the culture and the vitality of the business that you can't afford to lose them. So what are you doing now to incentivize them to really stay and stick with you through the long haul, right? And you know we'll talk to them about setting up programs for the top people. Um, and so those are that's another component to uh, the benefit planning process. But um, I think for me, and when I look at um, Firms, it's what can they do right now to um, continue continue their mission in the proper way, um, but including the most important people that they have, which is their employees, is is giving them the opportunity to grow. Um, you know, not just from a from a logistical perspective in terms of their craft but again treating their their employees like family and ensuring that they're really part of that overarching mission that they set out to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, lots lots to think about. And and you know, I had mentioned earlier about estate planning and and legacy firms, but this is not about the end of your life or the end of your career. This is about every step, every stage of your career, right? Whether you're starting an architecture firm or whether you have an established firm or you're in legacy mode and you're thinking about the future. Um these are things that you should be talking about right now, no matter what stage you're in. Um, and so so somebody like Roger is somebody that you want to talk to, whether it's Roger or someone else that's that's doing similar things. Um Roger, before we wrap up, I want to ask you the question I ask everybody here, which I think this is this is a good, good uh, segue to to wrap things up because we talked about a lot here today, right? And so this question is very, Uh, very uh, specific for this episode, what's the first thing, right? What's the one thing that a small firm architect could do right today to build our
1: businesses for tomorrow? Number one, I think it's developing a team of competent people around you, not just a team that ultimately that you work with internally on the different projects that you have, but also these are going to be various teams, but all the overarching theme is developing teams. That again, you you cannot do everything on your own as a small business owner. It's just impossible. You're going to need to surround yourself with competent individuals around you. That's probably be be my my biggest core advice to business owners: surround yourself with competent individuals, people that are um, versed in the internal workings you know, in terms of the projects that you work on. But when it comes down to things like the financial side, having competent individuals within your team that meet regularly and you know that they are continuously going to work on your best interests at heart. Um, That's probably my biggest advice to business owners, but especially here in this space, um, because I know, I know a lot of family owned architectural firms, second, third, fourth generation. And, They've done it because they've surrounded themselves with like key banking relationships. Um, they surround them with good people that can advise them on certain things that, again, you go back to the blind spots. And I think it's a perfect analogy because no matter how successful you are, whether you get to that point where you're a legacy firm or you're just starting out, the bottom line is you're always going to have blind spots, right? And, you know, Within your within your organization, again, you know, you surround yourself with competent people that's going to take you to that next level. It's no different from the personal side. Um, again, having the right relationships is always going to get you out of trouble um, or, or stay, keep you away from trouble. Um, but proactively get you to a position where financially you can flourish no matter what happens to the economy. No matter what happens to anything outside or exterior of the business, you know that always you can have a successful financial future knowing that you've got people around you that are within your purview that have the best interests at heart. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I could tell small business owners, but specifically to small business architects, that it's vitally important. His name is Roger Silvera. His company is
0: Compass Financial Pathways. It's a New York live company. Uh, Roger, you work with companies, uh, uh, clients throughout the United States, or do you have specific states that you work in?
1: I have targeted, called targeted states that I work in mostly, but no, I have licenses in over 20 states and and certainly can work um, in in many different jurisdictions, but um, I do a lot of business here in the Southeast, um, in obviously your neck of the woods in North Carolina, um, but um, you know, I'm always open to new opportunities uh, where they exist. Obviously, if it's a right fit, and I I believe that's the key component there. We have to believe that we are a right fit for them and they are a right fit for us. And so we want to make sure that's a mutual thing for, for each other. So
0: all right. Uh, Roger's website is com slash agent slash R Silvera, as in Roger, R Silvera. We'll have links to that on the show notes. Also, you can connect with them on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Roger Silvera CEO. So just just search Roger Silvera and you'll find a Compass, Pathway, Compass Financial Pathways, LLC. Roger, thank you. I appreciate you coming by here and hanging out with us today and sharing your knowledge at Entre Architect Podcast.
1: Mark, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, share a link with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Please share a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I'd appreciate it. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash Entree architect is a member of the gable media podcast network it's the network dedicated to architects engineers and construction pros listen and subscribe to all the shows at gable media at gablemedia.com that's g-a-b-l media.com go check it out we have i think 13 podcasts over there now gablemedia.com and before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ArchiCAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com/us/entreearchitect and see how Graphisoft is positioning to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com/us/entreearchitect to learn more. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and go share what you know.